Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 34 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. The Rangers coming off of a tough 2-1 to home loss to the Montreal Canadiens on Friday night. Letting this one get away late, you know, I thought the Rangers played well in this game, but just coming out on the short end of the stick, a little bit of a miscue down the stretch from Ryan Lindgren trying to get a pass to Brendan Lemieux. Lemieux, it looked like, was trying to deflect the puck into the Canadian zone. It results in a turnover in the neutral zone. The Canadians go back the other way, and they score with a minute and seven seconds left, and that puts them up 2-1, to one, which was indeed the final score. It's tough because, I mean, listen, nobody plays to lose games in overtime, right? But... You're, if you're the Rangers in that spot, you are just a minute and seven seconds away from getting at least one point, and the game goes into overtime at that point, and you take your chances. You know, whatever happens in the three-on-three, I mean, three-on-three hockey, that's a whole different beast, and the shootout's a little bit of a coin toss as well, although I do like the Rangers' chances in shootouts. But bottom line, you were a minute and seven seconds away from getting a point in the standings and then having a chance to get a second point in the overtime and possibly also the shootout. Unfortunately, it just doesn't happen that way. This game looked ticketed for overtime because both goalies played well. It was a good defensive game. It was a far cry from what happened earlier this season when, you know, obviously the Rangers had that massive comeback down 4 nothing against the Canadians, coming back to win that one 6-5. Just a totally different type of game tonight. And unfortunately, yeah, you know, just the youth kind of shines through there. A miscue, a, probably an ill-advised pass from Ryan Lindgren there as he was exiting the Rangers' zone and Lemieux not able to handle the pass, and it goes back the other way, and just like that, you know, you're on the short end of a 2-1 to score with a minute and seven seconds remaining. So yeah, definitely one of the tougher losses for the Rangers so far this season. We're going to get into all that in just a second, but first, a couple news around, a lot of things happening with the Rangers, you know, as far as guys returning from injuries, and who's going to be a healthy scratch, and who's down to the minors, and just a little bit of everything, really. Leah Anderson starting to play well in AHL. We'll, we'll go through this one item at a time here. First of all, Mark Stahl makes his return. Good to see Mark Stahl back. I thought he looked pretty good in this game. You know, he was he was visible out there. He did fine. He didn't really look like a guy who had missed, you know, a month of action, which is indeed how much time he missed. He was out there on the second line playing alongside Tony D'Angelo. And Alex Georgiev makes his second straight start, the second night of a back-to-back. He starts both of those games, and again, another strong performance from Georgiev, this time in a losing effort. But bottom line, he stopped 31 of 33 shots. Henrik Lundqvist said to be dealing with a minor ailment, but he was active in this game. He w- he did serve as the backup, so if anything had happened to Georgiev, Lundqvist would have entered the game. Uh, we'll keep our eye on that. My assumption We'll see what happens, and I'll update you guys at the end of this episode if we see any definitive news. But my assumption is that Lundqvist will be back in net in Vegas tonight against the Golden Knights. Greg McKaig also back in the lineup for the Rangers, and that means that Michael Haley is a healthy scratch. And just to run through the lines, Brendan Lemieux moves up to the top line alongside Zabanajad and Kako. You get a second line of Ryan Strom centering Artemi Panarin and Jesper Foss. A third line, at least at the start of the game, Philip Hedl centering Chris Kreider and Pavel Buchnevich. And then the fourth line, Brett Howden, flanked by Brendan Smith and Greg McKaig. And toward the end of this game, I mean, Brendan Smith had just a highlight reel, ridiculous, stupid goal in this game. It was really a sight to behold. It's the kind of goal that maybe you would expect, like, Panarin to score as a Banajad. Brendan Smith, you, you really didn't know that he had it in, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But Brendan Smith was all over the ice in this one. I thought he played a great game outside of the highlight reel goal. And by the end of the game, he was up on the third line with Kreider and Hedl. And I believe it was Buchnevich moved down to the fourth line alongside McKaig and Howden. I don't think that's a permanent switch because Brennan Smith is only going to give you so much offense. But like we said, he played very well in this game tonight and the coaching staff rewarding him for doing so. And then, of course, defense pairings. 
Brady Shea and Jacob Trouba. We talked about this on the last episode. There is no reason whatsoever to break those guys up right now because they're both starting to play well, and that pairing has really clicked. And then Mark Stahl back in the lineup with Tony D'Angelo, and finally Ryan Lindgren and Adam Fox. And you might have noticed the one defenseman whose name was not called there was Liber Hayek, but he sustained a knee injury, and he's going to be out for three to four weeks. Uh, he suffered a knee sprain during Thursday's game, and that's going to keep him out for a pretty significant amount of time here going forward. A little bit of an up-and-down season for Hayek, but, you know, just 21 years old, I think he's still kind of finding his way in the NHL. He, he did all right, you know, and we'll look forward to getting him back. It's going to be a little bit of a crowded uh, blue line for the Rangers. If all seven of these guys are healthy at the same time, then the coaching staff is going to have a difficult decision night in and night out about who to scratch. But for right now, it's going to be the six healthy guys going forward, and then we'll see what happens when Liber Hayek comes back. Hayek had five assists in 27 games this season. And, you know, like we said, a little bit of an up-and-down season, but he's young, just 21 years old, former second-round pick of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Wanted to also give you guys an update on Leas Anderson. Of course, Anderson was on the Rangers to start the season, but he was only ever out there on the fourth line and, you know, not really surrounded by guys who are goal scorers. You know, he was out there with some combination of McKeg and Brendan Smith and Michael Haley. Not a not a line that's conducive to success when you're trying to get somebody going. Leah Anderson, you know, obviously a former first round pick by the Rangers. But on Saturday, Anderson comes up with two goals and an assist for the Hartford Wolfpack in the AHL. And he was sent to the minors about three weeks ago by the Rangers only had the one assist in the 17 games. But again, he was not set up for success on this team. And we talked about some of the options that the Rangers had with Anderson. Do you just ride out the cold streak? Do you move him up to the third line? Do you send him down to the AHL? Do you trade him? My top pick from all that was send him down to the AHL. Because if you're just going to run him out there on the fourth line and have him play for like, I don't know, five or six minutes a night, it's really not worth it. There's really no point in having him on the Rangers. And again, he's just 21 years old, so there's no shame in going to the minors and just continuing to hone your craft and get better and, you know, build some confidence. And hopefully that's what Anderson's doing down there. I mean, again, these these are not Hall of Fame numbers, but so far with the Wolfpack, Anderson has four goals and an assist in the seven games that he's been there. So obviously producing a little bit better in the AHL than he was at the NHL, getting to skate quite a bit more. And again, there's no reason for the Rangers to call him up to the NHL level right now. Let him continue to do his thing down there. The Rangers are scoring goals, and Anderson, it just was not working while he was on the Rangers again. There's no point in having a first-round pick run out there on the fourth line every night. So, yeah, put him in the AHL, let him do his thing there, let him continue to build confidence, and then don't call him up unless you're sure that you have a role for him. You know, put him, if he's not going to be, you know, a top nine forward, then there's no reason for him to be on the Rangers. So, yeah, just let him in the minors right now, let him do his thing. Hopefully this continues. Hopefully that big breakout performance on Saturday, just the start of Anderson really starting to kind of spread his wings at the AHL level. And then, you know, hey, if injuries happen at the NHL level or somebody's ineffective or whatever it might be, maybe there are trades and a spot opens up for Anderson, then by all means, call him back up. But don't call him back up unless you have a plan in place because that does absolutely nobody any favors. For now, just let him do his thing with the Wolfpack. And finally, I also want to mention Vitaly Kravtsov. He was the first-round pick of the Rangers in 2018, going number nine overall. He's been playing in the KHL, but Tractor, his team in the KHL, has sent Kravtsov to the VHL farm team. So not really the best of signs there. I mean, Kravtsov, what happened was in October, he decided to go back to Russia after the Rangers had sent him to the minors and made him a healthy scratch. And then while playing on the Tractor KHL team, Kravtsov had only played one shift in his last two games, so a total lack of playing time there, and they've sent him down to the VHL farm team there. 
Now, listen, he's only 19 years old. Obviously, he was taken ninth overall in the 2018 draft. He's still a big-time prospect for the Rangers, but this is a little bit of a concern because the KHL, you know, not quite on the level of the NHL, and he's there to develop and get better, and he's basically sent to the KHL's minor league system. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. We'll keep an eye on it. His story has not been written again. He's only 19 years old, but you hear something like that, and it does raise a few eyebrows that, you know, he can't even stick on the KHL team. And even when he was on the KHL team, you know, he wasn't really getting into games basically at all. So, I don't know. I mean, it, it's not—it's a little bit of an ominous sign, but I'm not going to hit the panic button just yet because, like we said, just 19 years old, he's got a long way to go. But, yeah, it seems like he is a long, long way from making his NHL debut with the Rangers. So, yeah, we'll go ahead and we'll jump into this game against the Canadians. We'll break things down period by period like we usually do. Maybe a little bit of an abbreviated version today. Like we said, we had a lot of, uh, you know, news and notes to get through there. And I haven't even talked about the goalie situation yet with Lundqvist, Georgiev, and Igor Shesterkin. I probably butchered the pronunciation there, but I'm trying. You know, once he gets up to the Rangers and I hear the name a few times, it'll stick and, you know, I'll be all right. But bottom line... Shesterkin is lighting it up in the AHL. He's having a fantastic season with the Wolfpack. He looks great. He is a former fourth-round pick of the Rangers. And the issue there is that the Rangers might want to get him some run at the NHL level. And you can't really do that because Lundqvist is Lundqvist. We know he's going to be there. And Georgiev has played very well for the Rangers. I know they want to get Shesterkin a look. But one of the issues that's developing here is, from what I understand... The magic number for Alex Georgiev is 60 career NHL games. Once he plays in 60 NHL games, he is no longer waiver exempt. So you can't just send him outright to AHL without exposing him to waivers. And Georgiev has played currently in 56 NHL games. And if they were going to bring Shesterkin up to the Rangers from the Wolfpack, the move would obviously be to send Georgiev down. And there's a couple different ways around this. I mean, you could trade Georgiev but even as I say that like I don't want to do it I mean I don't I don't know I don't know what Georgiev's ceiling is but that's just it you know he's played very well this season and I don't want to see him I don't want to see the Rangers trade him for dimes on the dollar just to make room for Igor Shesterkin and we're going to break this whole situation down a little bit more in a in a later episode because it deserves you know a lot more time than we have allotted for it today but yeah, I just I don't want to just move Georgiev just for the sake of bringing up Shesterkin. Let Shesterkin, hey, it's the same situation almost with with Leah Sanderson. Let Shesterkin continue to just light it up in the minors and do his thing and build his confidence. The Rangers, they're right in the thick of the playoff chase right now. So I understand why, you know, they see Shesterkin as kind of the goalie of the future. They might want to bring him up at some point and give him some run at the NHL level. But I wouldn't be so quick to do that and be so quick to run Georgiev out of town, especially when the Rangers have played relatively well, and they're in the playoff race. Now, if the Rangers fall hopelessly out of the playoff race, then by all means, sure, make a move, do what you got to do, get Shesterkin on the NHL level and give him some run toward the end of the season. But I don't think that's going to happen. I've been saying on this podcast all along that I think as far as Ranger postseason is concerned, I really think it comes down to a photo finish this season. We will see what happens, but I wouldn't be so trigger-happy to, to call Shesterkin up to the NHL level. Uh, Lundqvist has played well this season. Georgiev has played well, especially recently. Georgiev has been fantastic these last couple of games. So again, don't be so quick to jump the gun here and bring Shesterkin up to the NHL level. Just let him continue to do his thing in the AHL. And like I said, this whole goaltender situation, it, it might be worthy of just about its own episode, you know, where we dedicate an entire episode to it and just talk about all the different things that the Rangers could do. You know, if they stay in the playoff race, they should do this. If they fall out of the playoff race, they should do that. They could trade Georgiev to a team, but only if they get such and such in return. We'll get into all that in a later episode, but I got to jump into this game against the Canadians right now. 
like we said, this was a much more you know defensive game than we saw from the Rangers and the Canadians the last time these two teams played each other. I mean, really, how could it not be? But yeah, both goalies on top of their game, and both teams coming off of a game the night before. So both teams on the second half of a back-to-back, and it kind of showed in the first period. I thought it took both squads a little bit of time to kind of find their legs, but Rangers get a decent early push. Kako makes a great pass, really threads the needle to get it to Zibanejad. Zibanejad shoots from a sharp angle, and Price makes a really nice blocker stop. The Canadians crack the scoreboard just past the halfway point of the first period. They come out of their own zone, and they score in transition. Tatar gains the blue line. He hits the brakes, passes in deep to Denault. Denault immediately dishes back to his left to Gallagher for an easy tip-in goal. 1-0 Canadians. Rangers nearly get it right back. Ryan Strom gets a chance right from the doorstep in the slot there, but the shot never got there because Shea Weber decided to hit the deck and block it with his mouth, and he's cut on the lip, and he really might have prevented a goal here. Basically just threw his face in the way of Ryan Strom's shot. Uh, Ryan Strom shooting from a high percentage spot on the ice, and yeah, this one might have been ticketed for the twine had Shea Weber's face not gotten in the way. And then a nice little give and go. The Rangers get another chance. Heedle and Shea. Shea gets the puck back to Heedle, but the Canadians break it up at the very last second. I thought Tony D'Angelo struggled a little bit in this game. And, you know, he's obviously had a breakout season for the Rangers. He's done a lot of really good things this year, but maybe not his best night here. He actually made a really nice play here initially. The Canadians carry the puck over the blue line along the boards and... D'Angelo just drops Thompson a good hard clean check, knocks him to the ice, and steals the puck. But then he inexplicably tries to pass to his left to Brett Howden, who isn't really looking for the pass. And I mean, you could say this is on Howden a little bit. He should have been a little bit more alert, and he should have handled the pass when it came there. But just kind of a quick, awkward pass from D'Angelo. And the reason it was kind of a bad play on D'Angelo's part is there was nobody near him. There was no reason he couldn't just skate the puck out of his own zone, or at the very least work it up the boards. But instead, he kind of just, you know, awkwardly throws the puck to his left, back into the center of the ice, and it's taken away by the Canadians, and Houdon hits the crossbar, and then Fleury follows up with a big slap shot from the right dot, and Georgiev makes the save, so Georgiev kind of bailing out his guys there. Yeah, I'm not sure why D'Angelo made this pass, and it's the second game in a row where we've seen D'Angelo make a mistake in his own zone. Again, he's still, you know, a little bit of a raw product. He's getting there, though. He's he's made some big-time contributions for this team. I'm not going to kill Tony D'Angelo, but yeah, got to be a little bit smarter with the puck there in your own zone. Canadians get another opportunity on a two-on-one, but Ryan Lindgren breaks up the pass to flex the puck out of harm's way. Really nice play by Lindgren there. Kind of found a way to take away both the pass and the shot, and then when the Canadians tried to make the pass, Lindgren intercepts it. So really nice play there by the rookie defenseman. And then this was fun. We get a couple of false starts on a face-off in the Canadian zone. Domi and Lemieux basically just getting each other's faces, talking trash, a couple of stick whacks, and then finally Domi is kicked out of the face-off. There were at least two false starts there. These guys really, you know, just not backing down from each other. I'm kind of surprised. This this was kind of the last we saw of it. I, I didn't happen to notice Lemieux and Domi mixing it up after this, but this happens in the first period. You think like, oh man, these, these guys are going to be at each other's throats all night. They're going to drop the gloves. Uh, this was kind of just an isolated incident, but yeah, certainly not out of character for either guy, you know, to, to talk a little trash and get in each other's faces. You got to love it. It's good hockey. And then time waning in the first period, Ryan Strom takes a shot from the blue line with eight seconds left and the rebound is there. And Jesper Foss, while falling to the ice, manages to put a backhand shot on net, but Price is there. He's in position. He makes the pad save preserves the lead, and it is 1-0 Canadians going into the first intermission. So then the second period begins, and we get maybe the prettiest goal that the Rangers have scored all season, at least from like an individual effort perspective, because Brennan Smith, yes, Brennan Smith, that Brennan Smith, 
he takes advantage of a miscue by the Canadians. The Canadians misfire. They're trying to pass the puck back to the blue line. It skips over the defenseman's stick, and Brennan Smith is already going full bore. He was going to challenge a defenseman aggressively anyway, and now that the puck missed him, Brennan Smith is able to collect the puck in the neutral zone. He goes in all alone, and this was just awesome. I'm going to try to do it justice here. If you haven't seen this goal, just go watch it. Smith goes in on the breakaway. He kind of drops his left shoulder, a little bit of a toe drag, brings the puck. He's a, he's a lefty, remember. He brings the puck to his backhand, and he scores. He kind of roofs it. It goes off the crossbar and in. Just a beautiful goal. Just like that, the game is tied 1-1, one to one, 2 minutes and 30 seconds into the second period. It was just a ridiculous goal. It's going to be on, you know, top goals of the week, of the month, all that good stuff, maybe even of the year, and it comes from a very unlikely source, to say the least. I mean, Brendan Smith is a fourth liner and a guy who is a converted defenseman, so when he scores a goal like this, I gotta wonder, like, does instinct just take over, you know, and and, and maybe he just, you know, just kind of pulled that out of nowhere, didn't even know how he did it, or maybe Brendan Smith is craftier than we all think. Maybe he's been keeping this slick move in his back pocket for, like, five years now, because Brendan Smith does not get a lot of breakaways. I mean, he's been a stay-at-home defenseman for most of his career, and now he's a fourth liner. So yeah, breakaways, few and far between for Brendan Smith, but you couldn't have done it any better than this. And no goalie in hockey was going to make the save. And it sounds so weird saying that about a a shot by Brendan Smith, but nobody was going to come up with this. Maybe Riley Smith, his brother, taught him a couple of things when he was in here with the Predators the other night. And it was actually kind of similar to the goal that Riley Smith scored against the Rangers, kind of a similar move here. But regardless, Brennan Smith, just a fantastic goal. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor. Get on YouTube and find it. Uh, just a brilliant goal for Brennan Smith here. Gets the equalizer tied at one early in the second period. I really did my best to try to keep an eye on Mark Stahl tonight. You know, obviously it's his first game back. We're all curious to see how he's going to perform. He made a great play here. The Canadians are trying to clear their zone, but Stahl comes in. It was a great challenge. And he goes down to an E and basically just blocks the clearing attempt. The Rangers get a scoring opportunity. Chris Kreider right from the doorstep after receiving a pass from behind the net. But Price just makes a great save, keeps the puck out. And then D'Angelo, another bit of a miscue here. A really bad pass out of his own zone into the neutral zone. The Canadians immediately intercept and bring it back in. Stahl picks up his teammate and comes up with a block shot before the Rangers can carry it out. So another nice play by Mark Stahl there. And yeah, a couple of bad giveaways by D'Angelo tonight. Not not a banner night for the Ranger defenseman. Again, I don't want to kill him because he's had a great season for the Rangers. He's contributed on both sides of the ice. And then a little bit of a frustrating sequence here. Mark Stahl is just straight up tackled and there's no penalty called. And then about 15 seconds or so later, Philip Heedle goes off for tripping. And really all that happened there was he got his skates tangled up with Pekka. So, I mean, maybe by the letter of the law, it is a tripping penalty. But, you know, the greater of the two infractions was not called because like we said, Stahl was tackled. It was an NFL tackle and nothing called on the play. So the Canadians go on the power play, but the Rangers get a two-on-one opportunity. Zibanejad and Ryan Strom going in. The pass is kind of taken away, so Zibanejad powers his way to the net. Price makes a nice stop, and Zibanejad caused this whole thing by just being aggressive and putting pressure on Domi and forcing a turnover. And then kind of a bizarre sequence here. Just when you think you've seen everything in hockey, you get something like this that you've never really quite seen before. So Jesper Foss, Canadians are still on the power play. Jesper Foss breaks his stick, and the puck is pinned along the boards just inside the Rangers zone. So Foss sees this, and he figures, well, I've got enough time. I can go get another stick and then come back out here. But he whiffs when he's trying to grab the stick, so he has to circle back and get it again. And 
by the time all this has happened, the Canadians have worked the puck free, and they get a chance in deep. But Georgiev, one of his best saves of the night, he comes out to the top of the crease, just makes a great stop here. And then Foss finally re-enters the screen, and he's right there just in the nick of time, and he clears the puck. I do have to wonder, I mean, listen, it, it's a bizarre play. Why wouldn't Foss just leave the ice there and just have somebody else jump on? I think that probably would have been the easier thing to do here, but I suppose it all worked out. And like we said, Foss, you know, busting his tail to get back into the play. He gets there just in time to get a rink-wide clear. And before I forget, I do have to commend the Rangers for only taking the one penalty tonight. You know, we've been tough on them for taking too many unnecessary, undisciplined penalties this season, but staying out of the sin bin tonight. Unfortunately, the Rangers go 0 for 2 on the power play themselves. Both of those power plays occur late here in the second period, and Rangers just not able to capitalize on it. Lemieux drew one of the penalties, really made a great play here. He got the puck away from Sherratt and knocks it down into the Canadian zone. Sherratt basically just pulls Lemieux down in the corner, so that's interference, and the Rangers go on the power play. They march out a lineup of Zibanejad, Kako, Kreider, Panarin, and D'Angelo, but just not able to convert. They get a second power play late in the second period. Kako was, again, taken down by Sherratt in the neutral zone with 2.04 left in the second. So Rangers go back on the man advantage as a result. Unfortunately, the Rangers are buzzing. They're creating some good scoring chances. There's a scramble or two in front of the Canadiens' net. Basically, the Rangers doing everything here except putting the puck in the net. Uh, good power play overall here. But Price made a really tough pad save against Philip Hedl. Kako made a cross-ice pass to Panarin, and Panarin dished in deep to Kreider. Kreider just can't quite finish. Five shots on goal on this power play, so... You know, again, they, they didn't convert, they didn't light the lamp, but, you know, throwing the puck at the net, which is what we want to see as Ranger fans, they got to shoot the puck more. One of those times where just did everything except score, basically. And the power play runs out, and we are 1-1 going into the third period. So the Rangers getting a strong early push here in the third period. Panarin just makes a ridiculous move around his guy in the neutral zone, and he dishes to his right to Kako after gaining the blue line. And Kako tries to pass here, which was ill-advised. He's got to shoot this puck. Panarin really teed it up for him, and we've talked about how the Rangers, you know, they're turning down shots in favor of passing, and I, I think Kako really has done that about as much as anybody, and he's definitely done it on the power play. I mean, it's been very noticeable when the Rangers have the man advantage. There have been times where Kako just needs to shoot the puck, and he doesn't do it. He's, he looks to pass instead, and he's a good passer, so I can understand that as well. I would imagine that, that Kako's apparent hesitance to shoot I don't think it comes from a lack of confidence. I get the feeling this is an 18-year-old kid. He's still getting acclimated to this country and his new teammates and all that good stuff. And I think he's just trying to be unselfish and look to pass rather than shoot and try to set up his guys. But you know what? Sometimes you have to be a little selfish in this league. You just got to let it rip. And you know what? If Kako shoots here and he doesn't score, that's okay. Maybe there's a juicy rebound and maybe Panarin gets to it or maybe Brady Shea gets to it. Brady Shea was there on the left wing during this sequence, so maybe he gets to a rebound. Maybe the shot goes wide, but the Rangers, you know, corral it and they set up another scoring opportunity off of that. Just shoot. If you don't score, it's not the end of the world. But hey, the greatest the greatest ever play this game said it. You miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. And you know, again, I don't want to kill Kako because I, I think he's played okay for the Rangers this season. Some ups and downs. He's still kind of finding his way. He's going to get better. But, yeah, I mean, there's times, man, just shoot the puck. And it's not just him. It's a lot of different guys on the Rangers. But I think Kako, maybe more than anybody on this team, has passed in some situations where maybe he should have shot it instead. And that was indeed the case right here. And I wanted to share a stat that maybe you're not aware of. Since the 2015-2016 season, Chris Kreider leads all players in the NHL 
with 29 tip-in goals. Now, I know Chris Kreider. He's a big-body dude. He'll go to the net. He'll look for screens. And certainly, I mean, it's been noticeable. He does score a lot of tip-in goals, a lot of deflections as a result of, you know, screening the goalie or whatever it might be, maybe just getting into position, you know, to, to deflect the puck home. But yeah, he leads the NHL. That's pretty crazy. So we're getting into the final few minutes here, still tied one-to-one. Petrie gets behind the Ranger defense. He receives a pass on the doorstep of Georgiev, another clutch save. He steers it away, and the Canadians starting to get a little bit of a push here, but Georgiev kicks out his pad, makes another great stop against Gallagher. And then with just over a minute left, Ryan Lindgren holds the puck behind the Ranger net while the Rangers go off for a line change. He passes to Fox. Fox sends it back to Lindgren. Lindgren is skating along the boards and tries to pass out of the Ranger zone into the neutral zone. He's looking for Brendan Lemieux. Unfortunately, Lemieux kind of goes for a deflection, and it bounces off his stick, and Cousins comes in for the Canadians on the rush after stealing the puck. Cousins' shot is blocked, but it goes right to Nate Thompson on the other side of the net, and he scores from the doorstep, and just like that, 2-1 Canadians with just 107 to play. Little bit of an ill-advised pass for Lindgren. I don't think he really needed to, you know, just kind of throw the puck back to the center of the ice like this. He had some room to keep moving his way up the boards there. And Lemieux, you know, maybe Lemieux could have handled it a little bit better as well. But regardless, it results in a turnover. The Canadians go the other way and they score with just 107 to go. Rangers call a timeout. You know, they're going to try to get something set up for this last minute and seven seconds here as they search for the equalizer. They get control of the puck. They pull Georgiev with 50 seconds remaining. Capo Caco takes a shot wide. The Rangers are moving the puck around the perimeter in the Canadian zone, trying to set something up here. They work the puck in deep to Zibanejad. Zibanejad is positioned on the goal line, kind of close to the corner. He whips a cross-ice pass over to Caco. There's about 23 seconds left at this point, and Caco needs to pull the trigger a little bit faster here. He ends up taking a shot, but as soon as this puck got to him, he should have just ripped it because he had an open shot from pretty prime real estate there on the right faceoff dot. And for whatever reason, he stick-handled quickly, and then by the time he decides to shoot, Tatar gets there and he blocks the shot, and the Rangers really don't get another opportunity again. They continue to move the puck along the perimeter, but no open shots, and that theme of the Rangers being hesitant to shoot kind of rears its ugly head here because, again, you know, there wasn't really an open shot, and I understand they're trying to set up something good, but in the waning seconds like this, at a certain point, you just got to throw the puck at the net and hope for the best. The Rangers didn't do that. And eventually, the Canadians clear the puck down the ice. There's an icing call, but there's only a second left at that point. And that's the game. Canadians win 2-1. to one. So, tough loss for the Rangers. I thought they played well in this one. Again, there was nothing they did egregiously wrong. Sometimes you just come out on the short end of the stick. I think that's what happened here. And the Rangers are back in action tonight in Vegas against the Golden Knights, a team that they lost to 4-1 to one in the Garden just about a week ago. So, we'll see what happens there. We'll be back to talk about it with a brand new episode on Monday. And if you guys want to get in touch with the podcast, send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And absolutely, give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. The first thing I do whenever there's a new episode, I fire out a tweet. So if you're following along on Twitter, you will know exactly when a new episode drops. And once again, guys, enjoy the game tonight. I'll see you next time.